0: Welcome to SICKcast, brought to you by Sikh Research Institute, illuminating every path.
1: Introducing Bayan Goya, Expression of Love, new translations of a selection of Ghazals from Lal Goya. Today's podcast begins with the recitation of Lal's Ghazal in Persian, followed by a new English transcreation the result of a unique collaboration between Dr. Fatima Fayaz and Dr. Nadra Khan of Lahore University of Management Sciences, Daman Breed Singh, writer and graduate student, and Inni Kaur of Sikri, followed by a discussion between Daman and Inni about the beauty of the ghazal and the transcreation process.
0: بس که ما راه هست با تو ارتباط از قدوم توست در عالم نشاد. فرش کردم در قدوم راه تو دیده و در را که بوده در بساد. بر فقیران خدا رحمی بکن تا در این دنیا بیابی بی امبساد. دای من در را به سوی حق بیار تا به آسان بگذری زین پل سراد. نیست آسود کسی در زیر چرخ بگذری گویا از این کهنه رو باد. Such is our deep connection with you, that only with your arrival there is exuberance in the world. In your pathway, I have spread out my eyes and my heart, the only worthy possessions I could offer. Have some compassion for the Divine's Fakirs, so that you may find bliss in this world. Direct your heart towards the divine at all times so you can cross the bridge of Sirat with ease. No one is at ease under the ever-turning sky, so Goya, just move through this worn perpetual caravanserai.
1: Hello, This is Any Core in conversation with Daman Preet Singh again on another ghazal, ghazal number 44 from the Lal Collection, Devane Goya. Welcome, Daman. I am so looking forward to having this conversation with you today on this particular ghazal. Um, this was challenging for me, but before I get there um, and talk about the challenging part of the ghazal, Let's begin with what we do, or mostly every guzzle is the repeated word. It's art, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it comes at the end of every line. So we need your expertise. Help us through that. (laughs) What does that mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so the repeated rhyme in this puzzle, as you're saying, is the art, long A and T. Um, In this case, in the past, we've seen like a repeated word or a repeated phrase at this end of each couplet. In this case, it's simply the rhyme scheme. So each word in the second line of a couplet will end with the sound um, at the long a and the t sound. Um, so here it's serving the function of maintaining the rhyme as always is the case in, in, in a guzzle, but it's not a word on its own that means anything in particular.
1: So it's interesting uh, for the for our readers that when they listen to the Farsi, the mm-hmm. one in Farsi, they'll be able to appreciate the rhyme. You know, mm-hmm. I do enjoy listening to the Farsi one. Yeah, after uh, even when I'm translating and now preparing for the podcast, I'd like to listen to that rhythm. And in this one, it was quite sp- special. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, this guzzle, which I said was challenging, but it was challenging at multiple levels. While I totally get it, Daman, you know, and I understand that each couplet, each share is complete on its own. You know, it's a universe in itself. It, it's not connected to anything. It's really hard for my mind to accept that because mm-hmm. I'm so used to reading poetry which builds on and there's a, there's a connection so this one was quite a bit of a mind stretch to figure out how are the couplets related? What do they mean? Uh, you know, what is that holding thing? I couldn't get that. And then I particularly had a difficult time with the last couplet. Now, I think I'll speak to you that when we get there. But did you find anything challenging in this particular ghazal?
0: Yeah, as you're saying, we're so used to You know, kind of trying to come up with a coherent meaning of a a poem. And it both helps to know that each couplet is like a thought unto itself and is meant to be a thought unto itself. And then also sometimes makes it like really frustrating because um, it's so short and sometimes you're kind of like left with lots of, or at least I'm left with lots of questions and I'm wondering like what does that couplet mean? And then I'm Trying to connect it to other things, and then I don't know. I think that's something that's interesting here that wouldn't necessarily be apparent um, for for the listeners who haven't seen the text on a screen or printed. Um, That makes the interpretation um, a little bit more complicated is that there's two ways in which Bayanandalal is addressing, using the pronoun you to address either the beloved. So we'll see when we discuss the first couplet, for example, that Bainandala is referring directly to the divine by, um, you know, saying you to refer to the divine. And then in future couplets, which we'll get to as we proceed um, in our discussion, it seems that he's either referring to like directly to the reader or he's perhaps referring to himself. And I think Um, I'd be curious to hear what your interpretation has been in the couple of couplets where we saw that, Um, because, of course, you know, when when one is listening, um, it might seem that the you is always referring to the divine, for example. In the written, we've tried to make that distinction by capitalizing the why when Nadal is referring to the divine. And then lower having the y in lowercase when he is referring to um, anyone else but the divine, um, which makes it a little bit a little bit clearer um, when one is reading on the screen or on the page. Um, But it makes it certainly makes the interpretation a little bit more difficult.
1: Great point! I totally missed that. You know, otherwise. Uh, the readers would have had a difficult time uh, figuring that one out. So let's, you know, the first couplet is such is our deep connection with you that only with your arrival there is exuberance in the world. You know, while I understand the use of R and how Goya is including all divine lovers in the opening. It made the first couplet for me a little less intimate. I think I if, if I could or if I would or if I, you know, could take the liberty of translating it as such, such as my deep longing connection with you, that would have been, you know, more close, was a lot more intimate than are. You know, I understand the openness and everything. And in the second line, um, I know the we have, The word is that only with your arrival. But I think in in Farsi, the word is footsteps, right? Um, And I understand, I don't know whether your arrival and your footsteps, if there's a difference. But Mm -hmm. for me, the meaning conveyed by footsteps, feet, is very powerful. It's very visual and Mm -hmm. symbolic of something about footsteps, you know, for me, it has a much deeper meaning. I understand why we chose arrival, but I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on, you know, arrival versus footsteps and what you what you think about it.
0: Yeah. Um, on the on the first point, um, in terms of the use of the word "our" um, instead of "my." which was a discussion that we had as a team um, when we were doing the translation. And I think it would be entirely fair, you know, we would have to ask um, Fatima, who is an expert on Persian literature, um, to kind of confirm this. But I think it would be entirely fair to use my instead of our um, because of the conventions of Persian poetry. So I think there is some ambiguity here. Um, which might come through in the original Persian that doesn't happen in the English because of the way in which kind of pronouns work in, in English. Um, Of course, the question is, you know, is it both? Um, And then if it is our, is it, as you're saying, um, including kind of all lovers of the divine? So I think, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that's another one of those moments where, um, We made a choice to be as literal as possible because the pronoun literally that's used in the Persian is the plural, Mm -hmm. Um, but is it actually more effective or is it, how is it changing the meaning if we were actually to use the singular, Um, I think is a question that um, listeners should, you know, can play around with to see if the couplet resonates differently depending on the pronoun. Um, And yeah, with your arrival um, the word that's in the original Persian does connote more clearly that this is about the, en- you know, entry via footsteps. You know, it is mm-hmm. a very powerful image and we struggle to figure out how we would write that if I remember correctly, you know, using one word in English um, because only with your footsteps doesn't quite necessarily convey the image of an entry or an arrival. Um, in the English, um, something that I think as an aside from that, that's really um, something that I love about this couplet is that it does re- it does kind of remind me of a past puzzle we've done where we saw the imagery of spring and, you know, the arrival of the beloved is equivalent to the bloss- the blooming of flowers in springtime. And I think there's there was a particular line about the garden of paradise, you know, the world becomes the garden of paradise, akin to the garden yes, of paradise yes, when the beloved yes. arrives and there too, we saw this imagery of the footsteps of the beloved kind of entering um, mm. and exuberance for me, you know, the the word in Persian could have also been translated as kind of cheerfulness, you know, there's a sense of joy, there's a sense of um, happiness, but there's also this sense of life and liveliness, and the word exuberance is perhaps not perfect, but we try to convey, you know, all of those, those meanings, um, where there's you know, something, is, something new happens, hmm. um, new life enters with your arrival.
1: Oh, I like that, new life enters with your arrival, it's so much and that's what it is. But you know, it's, it's when the footsteps come, it is all of a sudden everything that you have leaves, and it's that power, that image takes over, and it and it gives you a new life. It's very much that. Thank you. Yeah, that was um, you know, I know we struggled with the I, I'm not quite sure, but I remember the conversation about using the word connection, such as our deep connection with you, because I remember Fatima saying that in this connection, there's a longing, there is Mm -hmm. a romance, there is something, there are multiple things in it, which Mm -hmm. connection really doesn't quite get it, but we didn't know how to say it. So do you want to speak a little bit to that, Thaman?
0: Yeah, I think that this is another case perhaps where we erred on the side of being literal, um, rather than maybe straying too far to convey kind of multiple meanings. Um, but I think there is a sense of yearning or a sense of, um, a sense of longing, yearning, and even maybe, maybe it's also a sense of kind of this bondage that we've talked about, right? Like this bandigi and, you know, arguably deep connection in English doesn't convey the like deep longing and yearning and like sense of um, surrender that Mm. is maybe more equivalent to what the original Persian is suggesting.
1: Yeah, such is our deep connection with you that only with your arrival there is exuberance in the world. It's exquisite, it really is. So let's move to the second couplet. In your pathway I have spread out my eyes and my heart, the only worthy possessions I could offer. Daman. This is just pure, pure love. You know, I mean, I just like, yes, I just melted. And for a lover, what else can they really offer the beloved? They have nothing else except, you know, their heart and the eyes that they long for that vision. And I, I'm reminded of Sony and Mehiwal, where she says, "She pleads to the river, to the fish, don't eat my eyes, because in my eyes resides Mahiwal. Mm-hmm. So the eyes are so important and the heart is just there. For a lover, there's nothing else. There's nothing else they can offer the beloved. Um, they lover, they mm-hmm. love. So your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I also love, love, love this couplet. There's also the a similar line from Fruity that I think we've talked about on this podcast, um, which is similar to the one that you just recounted where um, I'm not going to be able to translate it exactly, but it's the image of the crows kind of eating his flesh. And he says, you know, don't, you know, leave my eyes because I, you know, want to see the beloved again. Um, And then uh, there was that line that we talked about at length in a a previous podcast also about kind of the smile of the beloved acting as the kind of ointment that soothes the eyes of the men whose hearts um, carry the divine secrets. I'm not exactly remembering the words, Um, but this imagery that we've seen repeated of the the connection between the eyes and the heart, what exactly is that relationship? Um, I'm reminded also of another poem from Liesel Mueller that I was looking at that came I came across this week that I'll read, but it's called "The Middle Distance" and it's it's uh, you've the middle retreated. distance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's you've retreated behind your eyes to enter your other life, the real one where you are in charge of the characters. Your childhood has been corrected and you're not going to die and you keep moving towards a figure whose arms stretch out to you. It's always the same figure and the distance remains the same, Um, which I think is a really beautiful and potentially cynical poem. Um, But back to the to the present puzzle. Two things that I would say, I think the verb that we have in the original Persian, um, which we've translated as spread out, is so evocative because I'm, I'm, you know, it's so that so there are two words, there's the verb, the farshkardam, which we've translated as spread out. And then the second notable word is bisat, which we've translated as um, worthy possessions. But the Imagery suggested by both of these words is kind of, you're spreading on the floor, you know, spreading around you on the floor, everything that you can kind of, I am, I'm the image that comes into my mind is like, you're kind of in a shop in, you know, somewhere in the subcontinent and you have the guy who's at the shop, you know, taking out all the things and showing you and spreading them on the floor and everyone's sitting on the ground and you're looking at the shawl or whatever you're buying, you know, this imagery of like abundance. And this imagery also of um, you know there, it's it's a it's a very intimate image in my mind in terms of you know I've laid out everything I can for you um, and the only things that I can lay out for you are my eyes and my heart. Um, so I, I yeah all I wish to say I really love this couplet also.
1: Yeah yep, I mean you know the first one I know it's we're suppo- not supposed to look at it as that, but you know the footsteps have arrived. Right? The arrival has mm-hmm. happened. And on the, on the pathway, you know, um, what have I laid out? My eyes and heart, that's it. Um, so, yeah. So let's move to the, so the second one is, in your pathway, I have spread out my eyes and my heart, the only worthy possessions I could offer. So then now the third couplet have some compassion for the divine fakirs, so that you may find bliss in this world. Now, you know, of course, Taman, you know, who is the you in here, which I wanted to ask you. But also, you know, we intentionally did not translate fakir, as there's no English word in the that can truly capture the essence of fakir. And I did, I know we talked a lot about the word choice of bliss, uh, you know, whether it was happiness or what, but, you know, bliss to me is anand, that happiness. It's not happiness. It really is an internal contentment, which is not dependent on anything external. And what the fakirs, for them, they are not going for the happiness. They're going for that inner contentment, that bliss Mm -hmm. that serenity, that whatever it is. And that's why I thought bliss was the more appropriate word for for this. I know this couplet is open-ended, so, you know, go for it. Who is the you here?
0: I have no idea. I really don't know how to interpret this couplet. I think I want to ask you a question, which is um, how you would understand and um, explain Fakir, which I would understand as... um, I think in my mind, there's like two associations with the word fakir. It's this association of kind of um, one who is um, without belongings and also one who is devoted to the divine, right? A divine, you know, so there's this image of, you know, we've had gharib in, in previous levels, this image of kind of being without, you know, material possessions. I, yeah. I'm, when I think, when I see the word fakir, I'm thinking something similar to this and this idea of devotion. So I guess I would ask, you know, how you would explain um, the word fakir, and then then maybe we can talk about how confusing this couplet is a little bit more.
1: Right. So for me, fakir, because this is, you know, we've got divine fakir, you know, it's in the cup, so it's very clear. So this is not just an ordinary fakir. These are the ones who have devoted their lives to in the pursuit of the divine Into and, and so therefore have compassion on them. Because they're in your search, they are on your path. Um, that's the way I would interpret it um,
0: oh. you, so you are okay, so you're interpreting the first line as by non referring, addressing the divine,
1: yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, and you know, and you know, the first one was he's bringing our deep connection with you. So so he's addressing now again the divine. You know, have some compassion for the divine fakir, because Lal uh, is probably associating himself as a fakir. Yeah. So that whole open thing, you know, uh, incorporating all the divine lovers, that vastness that comes in. It's not only just about me. It's all of us. All the ones who are on your path. Give us some compassion.
0: Yeah, so that's okay. So I was interpreting it, and I think I'm wrong. So, but I'll just share it to share with you and with everyone else. So I kind of was in, what, trying to interpret it as by Nandalal referring to the reader, or telling the reader, or asking the reader to have some compassion for the divine figure so that they may they may find bliss in the world. And that confused me because I wondered, you know, who are the figures then? Mm. Um, that and who are who is the reader and who is the figure? What's the distinction between the reader and the figure? So I, I mean, I, I don't understand exactly the second line, right? Um, and
1: that's why for me the second line is instead of so that you may find bliss in the world, but for me it was more so that they may find bliss in the world. Mm-hmm. That to me. It's was a little bit more coherent with what I was thinking Um, because that, you know, the compassion for the divine fakirs, why the compassion? So that they may find bliss in the world Mm -hmm. because that's what they're seeking. But, you know, this you just threw me off.
0: Yeah, and you threw me off. (laughs) 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 Because so if the the verb tense in the Persian is... um, the singular, the second person singular. The implied subject in both of the lines is you, the singular you. So now I'm wondering, is it that, I mean, it's not, it can't be that he's talking to the divine and saying so that you, the divine, may find bliss in this world. You know, that can't be it. Right. Um, but I think your interpretation of the first line makes a lot more sense in terms of him um, referring directly and talking directly to the divine in the first line and then switching the object of his, or sorry, switching the audience of the second line in this couplet. I think that might, it might be that that's what's happening. Um,
1: so how is it in the in the first C? How is it in the... In there, is that it's Is it clearer there?
0: It's not clear to me. Okay, um, but it might. Um, the difference also in the sentence structure is so the grammatically, and Fatima will have to tell me if I'm wrong, but there's a difference between. In the grammatical structure of the first and the second lines in this couplet, and we've done it, and in the Persian, too, there's the exclamation point after the first couplet, after the first line, rather, in this couplet. So it is an imperative statement, the first Mm -hmm. line. It's a, um, you know, it's the the, um, grammatical form one would use if you were saying, you know, Go eat or something, right? It is mm-hmm. an it is an imperative. It is a command. It's a command directed at someone, mm-hmm. and then the second line is in the subjunctive, which would be the tense to express um, doubt or possibility, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, the grammatically, there's a slight difference between the two lines, though he is referring to the second person singular in both. So all of which to say, you know, I remain confused about the line, but maybe that helps. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're no help, Daman. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, uh, I was, because it didn't make sense to me. So that you may find bliss in this world. Right. So that we, not even we, you know, have compassion. Could be we or they. But here it is, the divine fakirs he is addressing. You know, I mean, he's talking to the, at least in in my thought process, I feel he's having a conversation with the divine. He's asking, you know, have compassion on them. You know, just give them something—the mm-hmm. bliss. That's what they are seeking. But well, right. that's going to be open-ended. We're no help to our readers there. Right.
0: Or, I mean, the last question: Is he talking to himself?
1: So, if he's talking to himself, how would you
0: is have he compassion telling- himself? I'm sorry.
1: So, is he telling himself to have compassion for the divine fakirs?
0: so that he may find bliss in this world?
1: so that he may find bliss in the world by having compassion for the divine for So the idea is when compassion enters, you find bliss. Mm -hmm. That doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. Compassion enters. um, Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. Because bliss is is a very different... uh, Compassion is part of bliss, contentment. Serenity—they're all parts of it. Bliss is something quite
0: different. Mm-hmm. So, but I think so. Um, not to dwell too long on this one couplet, but I think that, yeah, I don't know who he's referring to. I think the other significant thing here is this world, dar in dunia. It is mm-hmm. specific to this world, not that world or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might. Be you know of course that's how we've translated it, but drawing attention to that might also be important in terms of trying to make sense of if the divine figure is somehow um, of but not you know in but not of this world or something, right? Mm. Um, There seems to be some sort of relationship that's being pointed to between the divine figure and bliss in this world rather than elsewhere.
1: Mm. Yeah, I didn't pick that up, but yeah, I can see it now, mm-hmm. that, that this world is important, bliss in this world, and not in, in the world next, you mm-hmm. know, hereafter. Mm-hmm. It's very much that there. And I think that might connect, help me with the fifth one, Yeah, couplet. Good point. So we move to the fourth couplet, Direct your heart towards the divine at all times so you can cross the bridge of Sarat with ease. Damon, you're going to explain what this bridge is, right, all about to our listeners? Yes. Because you're better at that than <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> so the bridge of Sarat, I'm not an expert by any means, um, but as far as I understand it, the bridge of Sarat is um the idea in Islam that one cr- crosses a bridge into paradise. And from what I understand, um, those who do good deeds or are, um, again, not an expert, but kind of the righteous, those who are righteous will cross the bridge with ease into paradise, but those who aren't kind of will fall off the bri- bridge into hell, into the depths of hell or whatever. That's my crude understanding, The Bridge of Surat. I'm curious about um, how we might interpret this couplet in light of, as the listeners will see, but have already heard, kind of the image that we see of the world in the last couplet, but also now that I think of it in the previous couplet with this um, idea of how one might find bliss in this world. Um, I yeah I
1: if, yeah I wonder if this bridge of Surat is, you know in Gurbani we have the world ocean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? How do you cross the, uh, the 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 world ocean with ease? It's basically living in Gurbani. It's living an elevated life, mm-hmm. a life where you know you you know your purpose. You are connected, and you are living in that consciousness. So, uh, but it is what I do like is that direct your heart towards mm-hmm. the divine at all times. I mean, that to me is Simran. So in Simran, you will cross, you know, you will cross the world ocean um, easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to translate it and, in, in, you know, make sense for me, for it for myself, I said, yes, I get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, because I also know he's he's using the, the terminology of the Sufis for a particular reason, because he's speaking to a particular audience, and this is that genre, mm-hmm. you know, so um that's that's fine. But what else would you find in this ghazal that, I mean, in this share?
0: Can I diverge from the ghazal and um, read for and saying, that might help us? <laughs>
1: <laughs> always helps us. <laughs> Buran Singh always raises that consciousness.
0: So maybe if I read a little bit from Spirit of the Sick on what Buran Singh has to say about Simran. Simran of some kind, no one can escape. If it's not the face of God that one recalls and remembers, it'll be the face of woman, of man, a friend, an object, some desire, ambition, even lust and greed that man shall have to remember and repeat to himself. Okay, skipping ahead a little bit. Simran is the law of love. It's the holy manifestation of God in the matrix of matter. It's what makes the monotony of repetition of day and night, of love and longing, so fascinating. Simran is the true builder, the slow, silent architect of the soul. Remembrance of him, he's quoting Grananek, is what gives true life. Now, any can help us connect this to the couplet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A rather tall order, I must say. (laughs) At at a short notice.
0: (laughs) No, but you see what I think that there, in terms of trying to understand, direct your heart towards the divine at all times so you can bridge, cross the bridge of sirat with ease. Yeah, it
1: is... You know, I loved what he said, that someone, you know, that we humans remember, mm-hmm. there is that remembrance. But when does that remembrance become with a capital R?
0: Right.
1: Right. So it, when it becomes with a capital R, then things change, then the transformation happens, and then that's where you cross the world ocean, that's where you cross this bridge of that. But other than that, um, remembrance i I always say is is love is remembrance. Mm-hmm. It comes from a place when you remember the one you love. And you know it's easy to say, how can you remember the divine, the entity which you haven't seen, haven't experienced all the time? And um, i'm I'm reading um, Pai Virsi and in Rana you know this the, the rani uh, rani rajkor says you know how do i remember and he's she he, and he says but you are already you have your faith and like you are remembering your husband like you are longing and remembering it's that same feeling so it's very much at a human level first for us to understand that if we do not have that longing and uh, yearning to be with the one we love. We cannot translate that into the the feeling for the divine. It has to happen at 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 a level which we can understand, and then we appreciate what that longing is and how there is that joy waiting for that footstep to come and how that footstep makes all the difference in the world, gives you the life. It is like when you go out on your first date, right? I see a big smile. You dress up. You get ready. There is anticipation. There's excitement. All that that you do for that. So that's part of this whole journey of understanding that same excitement, that same getting ready is when you... Think about spending time with a Shabbat or spending time with, you know, whatever it is that you consider as your source. If you can bring that level of excitement, that's what this is about. You know, how do you bring that in into our our lives? Mm
0: -hmm. And I think so, yeah. It's what makes the monotony of repetition of day and night mm. of love and longing so fascinating. Yeah, it's, it is that. It's it's a, it seems to be a um. It's a play. Right.
1: It's a play. It's a pull and a tug. You know, mm-hmm. you long and then you love deeper mm-hmm. that the love becomes into devotion then there's a reverence then there is that that absolute low total surrender so these are the stages that one you know experiences in this love longing uh, play mm-hmm. it's not that's it mm-hmm. it's just continuous and the deeper the love i mean not deeper the more you love it i in Uncovers some much some things much deeper that you don't even know, mm-hmm. which are in the subtle mind. Mm-hmm. You don't even know that they're there, but the love which you are experiencing or is invoking these feelings or is uncovering them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what uh, that's what by directing your heart towards the divine at all times does it is part of it is cleansing because your mind is now in that motion that other stray thoughts don't enter mm-hmm. so there's that protection that is happening there is the raising of the consciousness is happening and then you cross over the world with ease the world ocean or the bridge mm-hmm. whatever it is to a place of comfort
0: mm-hmm.
1: to a place of um, serenity that's i mean that's what it, what it is mm-hmm. to me it is a place of comfort
0: mm-hmm. And it's this idea that one can cross the bridge of Sirat with ease and, you know, be righteous or whatever through Simran. Right. And this kind of active Simran
1: that
0: Buren Singh is explaining to us, right?
1: Right. Well, Simran, I mean, it's... Simran, for us, is very active. Mm-hmm. It's something you right. do. You don't sit on the mountaintop and just, right. you know, do it, or you do that. You're very much of this world where your uh, consciousness is attuned and you know your purpose. And the Simran is a part of you. It, it is that your anchor, it is what stabilizes you. Should we move to the fifth ghazal, mm-hmm. Fifth couplet, sorry. Oh, this was the one that was challenging for me. So... No one is at ease under the ever-turning sky. So, Goya, just move through this worn, perpetual caravanserai. So, Goya, just move through this worn, perpetual caravansarai. Kar- did I say that correctly, Daman?
0: I honestly had never heard this word before.
1: Well, I would heard the word "sarai" because my parents, my mother, my parents used it a lot, so I knew what that meant immediately—the connotations. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you know, the four of us—Nadra, Fatima, you, and I—spent an hour and a half on this couplet, these two lines, and—and and I don't think—I mean, I'm, I'm going to share with you what I understood from what Fatima said. She said, you know, in the In the classical wisdom, sky symbolism or association of the sky as, if I mean, I'm just saying those things, Mm -hmm. sky is associated with fate. It means, you know, which means it's coming from a higher power, whatever you name that higher power to be. So like when we say it came from the sky, I mean, it came from the heavens, it came from somewhere which we don't know, some entity. It's, It's also takdir, your destiny. This is what, it comes from there. You know, the sky is associated with that. It was your destiny, which is, so I'm looking at it, it's like your destiny, which is constantly changing, which you have no control over, like you have no control over what's happening in the sky. And the time you, until the time you're on this earth, this is just the way it's going to be. It's going to be continuously, you know, you're going to be, um, constantly things are going to be happening, uh, like what's happening in the sky, and there's no escaping it. So this comfort, this suk, this aram that you're thinking you're, is going to happen under the sky, it's not going to happen. So you better cross this world quickly. This is not the place where we would like to stay for long. This is not the place to engage the heart. So you need to stay here for a short time like you're staying in a guest house. Mm -hmm. Now, this was how Fatima explained it, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm thinking of it as I'm having trouble with this because this is like my understanding from Gurbani and I go back to that, you know, because... This world is a creation. This is a wonderful place. This is the one place to connect with the one. We are fortunate that we have this human birth to connect with with, with the one, to experience the divinity. And this is the place where you attain freedom and and whatever this moksha, whatever it is. And so engage fully in this world mm-hmm. and, you know, imbibe in the virtues, and that that will change your destiny. So this is like, you know, two different, very different thoughts. So I was like, okay, what do I make out of it? I'm confused. <laughs> so
0: I think that I, um, with all the respect in the world, disagree with Fatima's interpretation. Um, and I'm going to disagree through Puran Singh, of course. Um, ah,
1: so you picked Puran Singh. <laughs>
0: But I think that... Who
1: to the rescue? <laughs> Honestly, that man is just... Kiss him if he was here. He um, is just way too good.
0: <laughs> so I think... Our guiding light. Um, yes. But so, okay. I think because if there's an understanding of Simran,
1: mm.
0: Simran as remembrance, but also as like, as you've described as like um as connection
1: mm-hmm.
0: as bondage, right as reverent bondage, bondage etc um but okay so if if okay if simran is this idea that um this kind of active remembrance that happens through one's life through one's labors um he has a line elsewhere I think it's Burnsing has a line elsewhere that, um, you know, at Zikri has been um, talked about a lot, I feel like, over the years, but the Simran as labor, as this, uh, you know, not the Simran of the Bucks who go in, on the mountain, as we were just discussing, um, but this kind of active um, engagement with the world and with the divine. Um, but if, if, if it's also like actually, that through simran, through remembrance, through meditating on nam or whatever, one can um, enter into the stage of, into the state of bandhagi, can um, long for, but also have fleeting moments of this deep connection. Um, That's very different. That leads me to a very different understanding of this couplet. From this idea that um, there's the sky that represents uncontrollable destiny, and that one is never going to be at ease, it, it, which is the, how we've translated. But one is never going to be able to figure out um, or attain this bliss on in this world. So, kind of get through it, and you know, move. You know, there's something awaiting that's better. Mm. Forgive me for rambling, but also um, thank you for allowing me to ramble. But I want to read a bit from Buren Singh. Um, again, from the spirit of so the Read
1: it slow, Daman. Okay,
0: because. I'll read it slowly. I,
1: because you're going to ask me questions. <laughs> and so I need I need to absorb what you're going to read.
0: Okay. And I'm going to read one thing now and then one thing later. But this is, they're both from the spirit of the sick. This is, um, this, uh, the section is called The Master Stands By Me. I wish to I wish to hear again a word from those holiest of the holy lips of Guru Arjan Dev himself, as did once my forefathers of in the Punjab. I panted for it. I thirst for it. I cried like a child. I wished to see him, the sweetest minstrel of divine love, who lived with us once and spoke to us with the sweetness that no one has since been capable of bestowing on us. Would he meet me? Where is he gone? Where dwells he now? Messengers robed in white flames came in and took me into a little bright, fragrant, sweet retreat in my own house. There was the treasure of his songs. I fell down speechless at the feet of the song, at the feet of his disciple, who had given me that treasure and also the zest in my soul for its pure light and the feet of the master. The white robed messengers lifted me up and these angels made me sit by the treasure of song. I felt at that entranced blessed time, that I was sitting by the side of the master himself. The angel sat in me and opened the book of songs and they read and I listened. I felt Guru Dev came in response to me as he had blessed my ancestors of the Punjab. So he is still with me. I felt deeply comforted." Now, it's difficult for me to read this and not both see the materiality of the description. This is, you know, this isn't pure metaphor. Um, we've talked about Deer Singh on the podcast in the past, mm-hmm. but you know, there is um there is a materiality to the to the beauty of the language where by where sorry Bhurn Singh is like allowing us to glimpse something that he has experienced in a very real, tangible way. So I think like I'd like to take that very seriously. Um but it's hard for me to read this and especially at the the very end. Um, I felt at that entrance last time that I was sitting by the side of the master himself. You know, it's hard for me to read this and not have a different interpretation of this couplet where it's, where is there is, you know, there is this image of the sky that continues to turn. And the metaphor that's suggested in this line, we should note for our readers, um, for the sky is kind of this image of a wheel that, turns and turns and turns, and all of us are under the wheel. And he's telling himself, you know, move through this way station, this kind of worn perpetual, which we also could have translated as time-worn or kind of, you know, suggesting, um, suggesting something that's old, but very much bounded by time. Um, and old in the sense of like a decaying building, perhaps rather than old in the sense of timeless, um, as a way in which to think about this world as kind of bounded by time, but also this understanding that there's other conceptions of time, that our understanding of time is limited in this world. And it reads to me less as kind of move through it and, you know, try to get over the bridge or try to cross the world ocean, but rather coming to the understanding of the boundedness of this world, but also the the knowledge that the master is always with us. Mm. And I'll... You can respond. I apologize for talking so much, but there's uh... no, no,
1: no, not sure, at <laughs> all. Not at sure. all. I think for me, it was that you know, no one is at ease under the ever turning sky. I mean, that you know, so no one is at ease. I can understand, you know, with the wheel now that you've explained the wheel, the wheel is constantly turning, and we are we are in this in this turning, or it is happening constantly, but um. You know, and that's where, it, you know, with the previous shares, this one was like, where is this fitting in? Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about this deep connection in the first one. Mm-hmm. Then we're talking about the, in, on your pathway, I have showered my eyes and my heart. And then have compassion on these fakirs.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then the, the, the next one is direct your heart towards the divine, because that will help you cross, you know, the world ocean, the, the this bridge. And then we come to like the drop dead moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No one is ever at ease under the ever turning sky. So let's just do this really quickly and get out of this world. And that's not the way I understand things. Right,
0: right, right, right. right. So
1: so I'm at a, I'm at a loss here. You know, really, because that does not speak to me at all. Well, Any way I, I slice it, it, does, it just doesn't move me.
0: I wonder also if it's kind of a, um, I wonder if part of the um, difficulty with interpretation is also a, is a, um, translation, a translation thing. Because I don't think that there is a suggestion in this puzzle. And again, this is something that, um, I'd be curious to hear Fatima's thoughts on but I don't think that there's a sense in the in the couplet of um, of kind of moving through something quickly or like passing through or I don't think okay, yes I don't think there's a sense of um, passing through I think there's more of a sense of, um, Traveling, you know, if a way station is somewhere that travelers rest, Mm -hmm. that's a different connotation from um, perhaps slightly different from like moving through something, Mm -hmm. the idea of traveling through something and the world as being a place of temporary rest, but also a place where you're not at ease. But that to me is like, okay, so it's a place where I resting well on my travels, but no one is at ease on in this world. So that is like a contradiction. But is you know, is that the contradiction that he's like trying to figure out or that he's pointing to? Is that there is this sense of like this is a place that one travels through and is you know, if we extend that metaphor, then it's, you know, a lot, it's on the route towards something else. But that's not, ne- you know, but it, as a place of rest, that's not necessarily that you're like on the highway and passing the exits, but is actually like an exit you take for a reason, you know, for rest. Um, apologies for like killing that metaphor. Um, but if I may also read um, my last Puran Singh quote of the day.
1: Someone has been immersed in (laughs) Puran Singh this week. I can see
0: that. Yeah, like reads one book once and only talks about one book (laughs) is me. But if I may read one section from Puran Singh, I will read it slowly again. Um, So this is the section on Vanshakna and Spirit of the Sick, which we might translate as, you know, sharing what one has. Um, So I'll read the beginning. And it kind of reads as a, so I'll read bits of it. But the very beginning of the section is to share our bread and joy and attainments of God realization with all, to give a feast of our flesh and blood, to be Christ's Buddha's gurus, not men only, above humanity living outside our bodies, in touch with superhumanity of the higher worlds. Okay. I'm going to read the first sentence of the next paragraph, which starts, the sermon of political economy is expression of estrangement of man for man, systematized, justified, and perpetuated. There's no political economy in the kingdom of love. The father of the family strives to feed his children. In love, it is to seek no kingdom for itself. It is to confer kingdoms on the forest. It's to rob no one, robber, robbing others is what constitutes the art of empire founding. Conserving wealth for oneself is to make many die of hunger. Mm. OK, I'm um, skipping ahead a little bit. Bequeath to your children the kingdom of freedom and its rapture only, not the sickness of the sense of property. The best law is of love. The best service is of labor in love. The best thought is the emancipation of man. The best justice for man to man is unselfishness. The best manners are incessant giving of the self away and incessant forgiving. The best ethics is melting away, melting away into the into love of ideal beauty. Your sur- surplus belongs to anyone who may need it. Which, you know, is relevant in um, As Six, where so many wealthy six hoard their wealth. But moving on. True union is in feeling, in the soul, neither in the mind nor in the body. And here's why I'm reading all of this. The world is an inn on the road of perfection. Knowledge is not so covetable a property for a true man as a flame in his heart, which might consume the dross of his self. That word dross I had to look up, um, but it suggests like waste. Um,
1: so read that la- uh, the second last line, this, it, this is a perfection world, what, was he, what did he say?
0: The world is an inn on the road of perfection. Knowledge is not so covetable a property for a true man as a flame in his heart which might consume mm. the dross of his self. The next line I'll read, but maybe we won't talk about it. But all friendships take place here in one little point where our souls touch and come in contact with each other. Do not try to embrace the whole circumference. That one shining point is of great reality of things. But the in line, of course, reminded me of the, the this coupling. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting that he has this image of the world as this in, which, again, I think is like very similar. And I wonder if like he's also you know, consciously alluding to this puzzle. But this idea that the image of the in, the world is in, the world is like temporary way station, comes in a section about this very material act of sharing one's... Mm. um, If not, I think it's actually not sharing one's belongings, but actually not hoarding one's belongings, which is, I think, maybe slightly different. Um, But this image coming in this section where you have this very kind of material um, meditation on the nature of wealth and the nature of what one ought to do with that wealth, which is to say, which is, you know, not keep it. And then this image of the inn, you know. So I'm trying to work with all of these to try to understand this couplet, but yeah, maybe I'll we stop
1: we there. need a date with Pineapple. That's what <laughs> we need. Levin, can you just arrange that,
0: please? Can I ask? Him? I'll ask. Him. <laughs>
1: Because we could go circles of people and at the end of the day, I don't know what that means. I mean, it's it's lovely to um, thank you for reading Puran Singh. He's always wonderful. Um, and but honestly, that this couplet really stumped me, mm-hmm. and I've I've reached out to a couple of my uh, friends who are fluent in in Farsi. To I haven't heard back from them as that I need about. I told them I need an hour of your time <laughs> because I think just this one one is going to take them that much time. And you know, if, whatever I find, them and I mean, whenever I find it, I'll ask. I'll, we'll talk about it in any other podcast, but I'll definitely share it with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's been quite, quite the the podcast. We had Pivir Singh Padaji, and we had Puran Singh both. Both the men who are in my consciousness, uh, <laughs> both just absolutely amazing human beings who, whose words still have the power to touch us and move us and get us to think and broaden our horizons. So have they truly left? And the answer is no. They're very much here. So that's timelessness, right? That's akal that they physically they've gone, but their words stay on. It is, and it's just, they're just as important. They're stretching our minds, broadening us, making us bust, making us think, and making us fall in love with them all over again. <laughs> Any closing
0: thoughts, Daman? No, but I would, um, I look forward to... Um listeners engaging and agreeing or disagreeing with us and having their own interpretations. I think this might be the most, um, ch- I don't know, I think I've said this in the past, but I think this was, you know, definitely one of the more challenging of the Guzzles. Um, and as we've said every week, the translations are very much kind of a, are kind of an an image of an interpretation at a certain moment and they're not always a hundred percent there or the original is just so textured that it's impossible to be a hundred percent there maybe is more what it is.
1: Right, it's so layered and, you know, there's such depth in the original and such multiple meanings. It's, that it's hard to bring that in. But I would say this is, for this time, you know, for for what our understanding is. This is it. And who knows, we'll talk to ten other people who are immersed in in you know in this literature and it will change. But that's the beauty of it. You know, it's ever changing and we are growing. There's nothing like it. We're not stagnant. And and that's life. If you stop growing, you die. The ever-turning sky. <laughs> Yes, the ever-turning sky. We shall take that, and we will. um, With that, I will say, this was wonderful, Daman, once again, but, you know, my favorite one is, In your pathway, Mm -hmm. I have spread out my eyes and my heart, the only worthy possessions I could offer. You know, to my love, that's what I have spread. Now, whether he accepts them or not, It's not something that I have any control about. I have just done what I needed to do, whether he accepts. And and even if he doesn't, that's okay, because that's the journey. Whatever the beloved does is fine with the lover. So on that thought, Thank you for this wonderful podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you me. for Puran Singh. Thank you for raising my consciousness. And uh, thank you to our listeners for bearing with us. <laughs> and honestly, you get snippets of every. You know, all what's happening, <laughs> some things which we don't even know we're going to say, it comes out. <laughs> so thank you for that and being kind to us. You know, your emails mean a lot uh, and they are, you are so generous. Um, thank you. All right. So Guru Fateh, everyone.
0: You are listening to Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.